I'm ready. Ready, ready, spaghetti, banana, banana, buffetti. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to Gaming Broadcast. I'm Jamie Dale, the main broad over at GamingBroadly.com. And I'm Kyle. Designer? Illustrator? Of GamingBroadly.com? <laughs> Also of my own stuff, KyleArmstrong.com. <laughs> I like how every time you say you're an illustrator, it ends in like a question. Like you're not really sure yet. Sometimes I don't feel like one. Well, uh, folks, today we have an exciting episode for you. Uh, gaming broadcast went to South by Southwest. If you followed my Instagram or my Twitter, which is at JDSepticon. Uh, at both of those, you probably saw that, and are like, "Oh my god, I'm so excited to like hear opinions." Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't yep. know. <laughs> they were stoked. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, uh, where everything's made up and our opinions don't matter. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like every podcast. Um, anyway, yeah. But before we go into the like South by. As normal is for for many gaming gaming podcasts. Uh, just talking about what we've been playing lately, and I actually haven't been playing anything lately because I've been working too much. But I have been watching someone play uh, Horizon Dawn. No wait, Horizon Zero. I don't know why uh-huh. I said Horizon Dawn. And it's pretty good. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's very beautiful. I mean, I love uh, robot dinosaurs like. Robotic megafauna, totally into. <laughs> Can't really beat that. Um, the teeth animation is really obnoxious, but that's... The teeth animation? Yeah, it's... So, the animation is beautiful. I mean, and I'm not really an animation connoisseur. Like, I'm definitely not one of those people that's, like, railing against Andromeda right now or anything like that. Which is a thing that people are doing, turns out. But the animation, the speaking animation for Horizon Dawn, she's moving her lips, but her teeth don't move at all, and for some reason it's really upsetting me. Like, do teeth move a lot when you're talking to someone? I, it, it made me wonder if maybe uh, I don't know what teeth, teeth should do. move. That's what I thought. Okay, someone was like, but well, teeth it, don't move when you talk. It depends on, like, how you're speaking, I guess. Uh, yeah, she just always looks like she's gritting her teeth. Which yeah. she might be. She's, I mean, the world is ending, so it's stressful. I know that with um, animations in Dragon Age, you saw a lot more of the bottom teeth than you did the top teeth. And that's not exactly how our mouths work. You'll see the top <laughs> teeth long before you'll see the bottom teeth. Yeah, I mean, that's the reason I didn't get braces is because my top teeth are great, but my bottom teeth, like, one of them's crooked, but no one sees it, so... Mm-hmm. Not worth it. I was at a, a bar the other day, and this woman came up. She's like, you got nice choppers. And I was like... <laughs> she actually met your helicopter right back. Right, collection yeah. Collection of toy helicopters. I was, uh, I was thinking of, like, my my mutton chops, but I was like, but I shaved those. How do you know about my mutton chops? <laughs> She's like, no, no, your, your teeth. It's finally, Kyle. It's a fan of our podcast. Yeah. We're famous. But yeah, she's like, I'm I'm going to call you choppers. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Well, I, I did call a friend of mine chomper for a while, but that was based on the Land Before Time cartoon, not based on their actual teeth. Uh, have you been playing anything? I, um, I started up another run of Skyrim the other day. Hmm. Do you have any sweet mods on it? Uh, the only mod at the moment is like a... It lets you start in a different zone, so you don't have to do the the whole riding on the wagon into your execution intro. So I started uh, the Necromancer beginning, and that is a pain in the ass to do. Because you start like <laughs> in in this big, huge cavern cave, and you're like in this tomb, and like you, the first thing that you encounter after you walk out the door is a mechanical man that destroys you um so you have to sneak by the mechanical man and then just keep sneaking 
And I was sneaking for like two, three hours trying to get out of this damn cave. It was really frustrating. And I have no skills besides summoning a familiar or whatever. It's like this ghost wolf. Can it attack anything? Yeah, it can attack things. I was hoping it kind of just like kept you company. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. Because I summon it and then instead of like running into battle... It like runs to me and then runs away and then a couple minutes later comes back and uh, goes to fight something, gets hit once and it dies. Do you find that kind of frustration fun? Um, not always, mm-hmm. but I think it's just like it's it's not a great starting location. Like it's not a well balanced mod for what it is because being a necromancer, it takes a lot of high end spells to be a good necromancer. The low level stuff is not helpful to you at all. It's just like you're raising beetles from the dead. I wish. <laughs> no, like squash beetles, not like the cars. Although it'd be a pretty dope mod if you're like raising Volkswagen beetles from the ground to like, mm-hmm. attack your enemies. <laughs> I'd play that. Yeah. It's basically like um, Carmageddon, but with zombie cars. Right. Yeah, I'll find that mod. I'll install it. That's what I'll do. <laughs> a beetle, a beetle razor. An Automancer. Ooh, that sounds nice, actually. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a decent parody. Um, yeah, so that's exciting. Well, congratulations. Let me know how the cave goes. So back to our, our regularly scheduled programming. I was hoping you were going to say that you had fun playing that type of game because then that was going to be like a perfect lead-in to the the first thing we did at South by Southwest. I mean, even I said no. Isn't that a perfect lead-in? Both of them are a perfect lead-in. Well, I had prepared in my head for you saying yes, not no. So then I lost it. So I'm just going to do this awkwardly instead of smoothly. Oh, so South by Southwest, the gaming part. I'm not very good at conventions, which is what I'm I'm going to next, which is that South by Southwest is, in fact, the first gaming convention or conference I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Ever. In my life. I've never been to a Comic-Con. I've never been to, like, a anime meetup to, like, a game studies conference. I've been to a media <laughs> studies conference, but not, like, a game studies specifically. You've lived an average, unnerdy life. I know. And I paid so much money to be a professional nerd. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll take advantage of any of it. I know, so this is the first time I did it. Um... So that was cool. And it was cool to do it with you, like, as my first time. I was there way early. Yep. This is true. As as I do. Yep. Um, and it was pretty cool to get my little South by Southwest, like, gaming wristband. Um, have you ever gone to a convention, a conference, a large gathering of nerdy people? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I went to uh, Comic-Con in Portland um, last year, year before last. Oh, that's right. You had a booth. Uh, I didn't have a booth. I thought, did um, you just hand out copies of your comic? Yeah, we just handed out copies. That's so punk rock. Um, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I thought, yeah, have you ever had a booth? No, I've never had a booth. No, oh, we need to get you a booth. Well, we were going to try to have one at Staple, um, but they had sold out by the time we, we tried to get one. Mm, okay, next time. We'll get you a booth. Yeah, next time. So you've been to Comic-Con, and you went to South by Gaming last year, right? Yeah, or the year before last. I don't know. They all blend together. (laughs) But you'd never gone to, like, the sessions, right? You had just done the expo? Uh, Yeah, I had just done the expo. I went to go look and see what the games were. (laughs) That was my interest. I wanted to go see the art stuff. Yeah, so is this the first time you've ever done, like, panels at a conference type thingy no i and i've done panels before i did panels at portland as well this is just the first time for the south by southwest Mm. gaming i was hoping it was gonna be like a whole new world type of thing um but it wasn't (laughs) just jamie having no life experience when it comes to this (laughs) so i got there early like an hour and a half before anything started and then kyle you showed up like 15 minutes before and then we we went to our first panel 
video games for people who don't like video games. Um, mm-hmm. And on the panel were lots of people that I knew, actually. So we had Brie Code from True Love Media. She did work on Child of Light, which was one of my favorite games. Very, very pretty. She was also there with Sherry... Uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but Sherry Graner Ray. It's either Graner or Graner. So I apologize. Uh, just uh, give it like four tries and then we'll, we'll see <laughs> Grainer, which one is right. Graner, Grenier, Graner? I don't know. That sounds like... Anyway, it's one of those. She's actually also really well-known. I cited her in my thesis, actually, the book that she wrote. She's been in the industry for like 20... Maybe longer than 20... She's been playing D&D for 20 years. I don't remember how long she's been in the gaming industry. But she was a really important voice for getting video games to think about women as a market from like a long time ago. Before talking about this stuff was... A popular topic on Kotaku. Yeah. That kind of thing. And then also on there was Eve Thomas, who I had not met or heard from. Well, obviously, I have personally met any of them, but <laughs> I had not digitally encountered Eve Thomas prior to that. But Eve was great. I enjoyed, actually, she wound up, I think, being one of our... They were all great, but I remember you said you really dug Eve's... Eve's way of existing. <laughs> In front of people. That's a weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. You enjoyed it. Uh, and then Sagan Yi from Hand Eye Society, which I think I remembered more of her statements being from Game Curious than the Hand Eye Society, but yeah. it's probably the same thing. And I just haven't Googled. They were great. Brie Code, I've been following on Twitter for a long time. I think her writing is very good. I've yet to read something of hers that I did not. Like, enjoy reading. Like, it, it's it's all very, like, thoughtful, like, insightful stuff. And she, she writes with a really pleasant voice. So it was not surprising to me to hear that she also spoke in a pleasant voice. Um, and by that, I mean just, like, how she interacts and exists kind of voice versus, like, the actual sound <laughs> of her. Right. That's what I mean, like, her writing voice. Um, and they spoke... A lot about, it it was, I was trying to think of how I would synthesize the whole hour into, like, an elevator speech. Because it was about inclusion, but it was less about inclusion in the sense of specifically wanting more women in game development or um, people of color in game development and more thinking about getting different types of players to play games including right. women, but just yeah. in general different kinds of games, specifically for people who don't play games. Yeah, people that feel yeah. excluded from the gaming genre, I guess. Yeah, and I and I loved actually the kind of like teasing a part of that, like which it is like pretty much anyone who's not a white male often in terms of like the advertising and the the people making the games get excluded in that way. But it really was also just, like, white dudes who don't like the types of games that exist. You know what I mean? Like, they made it much broader than just an identity group and made it more about, like, the same personality types are creating the same types of games. Like, how do we get out of that and create something for for other people? Because we love games but also hate them. I think that's probably... Which is true. I do love games, but secretly I also hate them. I think I've talked to Kyle about this a lot. Yep. I, <laughs> I don't know. Did you enjoy that panel? It was the first panel of the day and 9, or what is it, 11 a.m. is not like your your most yeah, awake it was, time. It was good. It was um, definitely early, but yeah, it was a nice panel. Good, Good thoughts. Good discussions. I was trying to think of like takeaways other than how much I loved all the people on the on the panel. And for me, I think there were like two things that I walked away with. And one was like they focused a lot on making fun games, meaningful games, but like fun games, like games that were fun for more people. And I was trying to think of how weird, not weird it was, but one, I think that they would admit also that fun means different things for different people. So, like, those incredibly frustrating, very difficult, like, very painfully violent games are fun for a lot of people. But also I was wondering if there was a reason to ever play games when they weren't fun. Like, 
Do you ever play games that aren't fun? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I can't see myself playing a game or spending my time with something that isn't really fun, I guess. Did you ever play Papers, Please? I did, yeah. Did you find that fun? I enjoyed the experience of playing it once. I probably won't play it again. <laughs> okay, so enjoyed the experience. That's that's a more nuanced statement than like you found it fun. Yeah, because I, I suppose, like, there is this message that's, like, conveyed, like, in the gameplay. Understanding borders and, you know, refugees and things like that. And, like, a just, like, a a political struggle, trying to support your family and everything. that It conveys really well in, in one playthrough. And, like, even if... I don't know if... I don't know if it's possible to win, but... um you can. There is an end state. But the end, the win, oh man, that would be a much larger discussion about what it means to win. Because like your win state does not necessarily feel good ethically. <laughs> so yeah, it was a game that's like, I, it, it made me think and like, I really enjoyed it. But it, it's not something that I'm just going to be like, you know, I've got some free time. I'm going to go play Papers, Please. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder about that, that issue a lot, I think, with specifically meaningful games about social issues. Like, there's a, mm -hmm. there's a few games that have come out recently, I think, about refugees also. But also about, like, the um, what's going on in Syria. There's been a couple games that have come out recently. And on, on one hand, I think there's this assumption that games should be and are fun. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand... There comes a point I'm like, well, does that mean that there are subjects that games would not be appropriate because they should not be fun? Like, should they be uncomfortable and not something enjoyable? Like, should yeah. I be able to enjoy a game about trying to escape uh, genocide? You know, I, yeah. and I haven't quite navigated that. And I think that's an issue that has come up. Other people have brought up the same issue. So it's like, should all games be fun? What does it mean for a really hot button issue to be fun that is not a fun situation in real life um yeah. or is actually conversely like being able to like have fun and enjoy a negative type of social thing that's happening actually a way to approach issues in a way that brings down people's barriers so they're more likely to like ingest information in a way that you don't always when you're trying to avoid like a lot of people like cut themselves off from really negative emotions i think so there's also right. that argument so i don't i don't have the answer but it's these are all questions i'm trying to think if there's any other game i've played well i mean we play diablo do we have fun playing diablo not to go back to our our episode beta <laughs> uh i don't know um i <laughs> so i fun? i talked to my friend that works at blizzard he was he was asking me if we did the seasonal play, and I was like, I don't, I don't even know, know what I that don't is. know what seasonal play is. He's like, <laughs> okay, so every season, um, you can you start a new character, and you play through it, and you keep playing through like the Paragon and everything, and at the end of the season, when you've if you've done like gotten to the top level and gotten some Paragon, uh, you get gear and pets and all that kind of stuff um so as you play like you keep getting like new cool stuff um he was telling me like the um the witch doctor when he played the the seasonal item that you got was uh because you know like how my uh my witch doctor holds like really creepy things on his hand to attack with he's got like snakes or like a skull or whatever Oh my god, was he able um, to get like Christmas in, light ball? In in this run of of the season, you got this big, fat, adorable kitten that you would carry with you. <laughs> <laughs> and so now we you can attack with like this kitten for all we your fucked attacks. Up. We did we, we did fuck up. But I don't know if uh the consoles has that. That's the that's the thing. Oh, yeah, I have I would assume so. But I yeah. Okay, so the game is not fun because we haven't been playing it. Because we've done it wrong. <laughs> we've done it wrong. But we've, we've still been playing wrong. it for five years. Yeah. yeah. And it hasn't been fun for like three. So there must be something to games other than fun. I have to believe that there's something beyond just like fun with games. I mean, I like games that are fun. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that was the... Speaking of like enjoying things that are fun, that was like my second thought that came up is 
they reminded me of how much sitting around doing nothing, and I think for a lot of people playing games is doing nothing, so they have to, like, argue for all the, like, cognitive benefits of gaming sometimes. You know those yeah. people that are like, it makes you more dexterous and, like, improves your critical thinking skills. And yeah. it's like, no, it doesn't. You, you've been moving blocks around for, like, five hours, and it has done nothing for you. But <laughs> there is, like, a huge thing in society where we don't like things that don't produce value of some kind. And I think that's vague. Like, it's not a product that you're producing. It's not, like, you're not getting smarter it's not good for your health necessarily. So, like mm-hmm. this idea of like meaningless fun, and I'm putting quotation marks around meaningless, but no one can see because it's a podcast. But meaningless, quote unquote, fun is really like scorned a lot. So, like if you're an adult that says you play games, you sometimes do get like, oh, you're so lazy. So yeah. I think people get confused because I'm I'm <laughs> I'm very prolific. I'm very active in the in the Austin community. But I also play a lot of games, or at least talk about them a lot, so it always throws people off. They're like, but you do so much. Right. (laughs) How do you do things and also have fun? I don't know, and I even feel it myself sometimes. If I sit around and play games for, like, five or six hours, I'm more disappointed in myself than if I, like, sat around and read a book for five or six hours. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if that's, like, true for you. When was the last time you read it? Never mind. But... Yeah, is that true for you at all? Do you ever feel guilty if you play games for too long? Uh, I guess it depends on if, if there's things that I have to be doing that I might feel guilty. Other than that, no, not really. <laughs> as I long as I've en- enjoyed my time, then I, I don't really worry about it. I'm so jealous. I, I feel like for a lot of people, like we've internalized busyness culture. And I, when mm. I put that on Twitter, it looked like I was saying business culture, but it was a, it was a fine combo because it is i think it's like a value based but i've heard you say like oh i should have like drawn art today i should have done this today yeah exactly yeah play seems like such a thing that children are encouraged to do that adults are not and i think that's a huge bummer like at some point Mm -hmm. we decide being playful is something for children and that as you get older you should take things more seriously not that i i'm against taking things seriously but like there's got to be like a healthy balance a healthy balanced breakfast (laughs) Kellogg's. That's what we're going for. A Kellogg's state Mm -hmm. of mind. Some of the people that ask questions ground my gears. Yeah, I think the questions were the the thing that I remember um, part of the most from that. And it's one of those things that it's it's fairly typical, I think, of panel discussions. Well, okay, so here's a general breakdown of the uh, questions that were asked i guess or well not questions as much as people that had a microphone and then started speaking Um, (laughs) much like we're doing now (laughs) much like we're doing now um, but they don't have a podcast they're garbage people (laughs) jokes we're great when i have an opinion that no one else needs to hear put it on the internet on a podcast (laughs) anyway yeah the breakdown the breakdown uh the breakdown was was basically um someone would get the mic and they would kind of talk about a project that they were working on. It was a asking if what they did fit in kind of a thing. And it, it was how I explain it, I guess, is uh, they were pitching themselves instead of asking questions is kind of how it went, um, which is kind of frustrating and then there were there were the other people. Um, one of the most frustrating questions, I, I think, was this guy asked these women why they weren't making games for him because <laughs> he uh, he liked yeah. the the AAA games. He felt that it was unfair that they were making games that weren't geared towards him. Ah, uh, yeah, that was a good one. You know, I really admired Brico's response to that. Because they were good at kind of massaging other questions to be yeah. useful. And for that one, she kind of just like took the mic and she's like, you're correct. I'm not making yeah. games for <laughs> for you because yeah. you already like games. Like I'm making games for people who don't like games. So because yeah. you like games, I'm not going <laughs> to make them for Like you're already it- pretty well catered to. <laughs> yeah, I mean... 
it's so frustrating. I think people here, I want, um, people here, I want to make games for a different sort of person than is currently playing games. Mm-hmm. And what they hear is they're trying to take my games away. It's like a weird game version of like they're trying to take my guns away because they're asking me to register it or something right. like that. It's like yeah. a weird, you've taken the statement that's geared towards like being inclusive and like welcoming more people into the fold and like expanding our conception of play and games and like fun or whatever. And you take it to this fearful place of like, I will enjoy nothing ever again. If people like you are in charge of the gaming industry, (laughs) (laughs) like they take it like so far and I'm like, it's not an either or thing. Like we can have more games for more people and you can also shoot people in the face with an AK-47 right. in Counter-Strike. Do they have AK-47s in Counter-Strike? Uh, I think so. Yes. I, I believe if it's a gun, it's in Counter-Strike. <laughs> I should know. I watch a lot of Counter-Strike Twitch videos. Yes, face, you but... would actually know better than I do. <laughs> they were masterful at turning those questions. There's the other guy who's like pitching his VR music idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and they like turned it into this wonderful discussion about how VR is currently not the most inclusive way... To, like, bring people into games since, like, 40% of people experience simulation sickness, sim sickness, yeah, so to speak. Um, so that was cool. I learned a thing from that. And then the mm-hmm. other guy with, like, who went on this personal story about addiction and recovery, which is very moving, but, like, not the appropriate context. Then they went on after the guy to talk about their own game addictions and kind of the, the opening the conversation about the relationship between addiction and gameplay in some situations. So I really have to, like, hats off to them for taking some of those questions and making them into really excellent conversational pieces with the crowd and with each other on the panel. That was great. But it really grinds my gears when people don't take the opportunity when they're presented with this unique experience of four really incredible, really thoughtful, really smart people who think deeply and care a lot about this topic. Um, But the question askers who don't take the opportunity to really get to know them and instead use the opportunity to have other people hear like about their own stuff. It's sure. like, no, we're like here for the panel. This is a rare opportunity. They've come together mm-hmm. to talk to us. I don't know. I I really love that. I I love it when people ask good questions of of people in situations like that. Um there were not as many annoying questions in the next panel that we went to except <laughs> I I might have been the one that asked the annoying question, um, <laughs> but that's for later because it's the last thing we did in the day. So instead, let's talk about the gaming expo. I mean, we were in that game room and the gaming expo room for so long, like so many many hours. Yeah, um, it's the longest I've ever been in one giant room. I think before very very long. And then some highlights <laughs> is I learned that Kyle Kyle hates video game swag booths with. Mm-hmm. With a lot of a lot of passion, no. um, but Kyle also loves Devolver with with a lot of passion. I do. They make a lot of uh, a lot of my favorite games. So, what else has Devolver made? Do do I know them? Do I also love them? Um. So, let me send you their website, and you can look at it. Probably easiest. Uh, they do uh, like Hotline Miami, which um, is not like one that I play a lot. Um, they do Enter the Gungeon, uh, Titan Souls. Uh, I think they do. Is it Heavy Bullets? Heavy Bullets is this game where you have like there's you have six bullets for the entire game, and they just like. You shoot it out and it falls to the ground. And you have to go pick it back up again, and then you can shoot it out again. So it's kind of um, like arrows. Yeah, I think they do that. If they don't, I'm gonna have to edit out this whole section. So, what about Devolver draws you to them? Is there any sort um, of consistent thread among them that that really makes you like their games? It is. It is definitely the art. It is some of the best art that I, I see from. Uh, pixels and anything that they do it it has a sense of style to it so was the game ape out from devolver also yes ape out was was devolver so if you get the chance play play ape out i i loved that game it's so 
so incredibly beautiful. The art is super stylistic and minimalist. Um, it's a stylistic top down. Is that is that right, Kyle? Is that the right word for that? Yes, it was stylistic because uh, it had walls that kept going up forever. Yeah, it, it definitely was not totally top down since you know you saw the bodies of the people you were smashing against the walls instead of just like this the circles of the uh, top of their head. Yeah, so I guess it's kind of like Zelda. Um, Link to the Past kind of style, where it's all slanted. Yeah, so Ape Out, which the basically the narrative of this game is you are an ape that mm-hmm. is trying to get out, and to do that you have to get past a lot of dudes with guns yeah. um, and explosives. And it was so pretty, so incredibly f- fun. And it's one of those games that you fail a lot, like, you die pretty quickly. It's pretty hard. But failing is so fun. Like, <laughs> yes, I laughed more funny. in the ways that we died and the different ways that we died. Um, it's also incredibly violent. Like, the blood spatter on those is, like, super intense. Yeah. Uh, and some of that's because you're, like, this ape and you're pushing guys against walls and then they explode into like stylistic gore and you hear that like wonderful cymbal crash. Um, so they use like cymbal crashing as for people exploding, which is like such a great musical component. Um, I love that. I, I like that game so much. Uh, I definitely am going to buy it. And then Devolver also had that other one that I would definitely not buy it was a super serious one. It like took itself too seriously, like the sci-fi, sci-fi, not sci-fi. There was no pie, but it was the sci-fi one, right? Yeah, um, it was like a like that cyberpunk kind of a world. Uh, one of the ones that I was really impressed by was um, Crossing Souls. That was another um, Devolver game. Uh, it, it had it's it's similar in feel. Um, it reminded me of like Earthbound and then, uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. If you're, I don't know if you ever played that for the the Super Nintendo. I have not, but it sounds wonderful and we should probably go find Mm -hmm. it and play it. Um, but it is a really beautiful looking game. Uh, nice pixel style. Uh, I waited a while to be able to play that. Uh, and then when I got to play, um, I was stuck playing the tutorial like opening section uh so i didn't have anything to actually do so that was pretty frustrating but whatever Ugh. well that's a huge bummer tutorial blues um you also really liked that game it was a different game is from a different company the one the one called owlboy right i think you've been following that one for a while yes i I did really like owlboy yeah um that one's been on my my Steam wish list for a little while. Um. I also played Adventures of a Space Time Janitor for a long time, and that one was also super gorgeous, um, super pixelated cells, very pastel. Um, it's kind of like a I got the sense that it was a mystery type thing, and you were a janitor, and you would solve some of the mystery of the ship that you were on. Um, through the junk that you picked up and either chose to destroy or hold on to. Uh, that would be a hard game for me because I would never give up the trash. I'm definitely <laughs> one of those people in RPGs that like aggressively resist using potions or getting rid of objects in my inventory. Yep. Um, so that would be super hard for me. So I, I didn't get a chance to tell you this before, but the the, the person that was basically showing off Adventures of a Spacetime Janitor, their face popped up on my Twitter feed. Like, someone had retweeted their their selfies, which they took wonderful selfies. Um, but it reminded me of the other stuff I was talking a lot at sci-fi, which was that the stuff I like being super interconnected. Like, it seems like it's a very tight-knit community. Like, even the community that's geared towards making more people feel welcome, I, I think, is is very small. Um, and there was a lot of other things that, that pointed to this. So like the three tabletop games that I I love that I've funded on, on Kickstarter were all on that last panel we went to, uh, the impact of materials on tabletop gaming panel. And it was so funny that, that they were all on the panel together. I mean, it was vast, it was Dragoon, it was Beasts of Balance, 
Um, I had no idea that they'd be on the panel together, but I've definitely funded all of them and played all of them separately with like no clear indication that they were, they were buds or that they knew each other. And it got me thinking about whether the reasons I love games is because, and well, let me rephrase this. I don't know if the reason it's all interconnected is because the games I love um, share a similar thread because they're in the same they're in the same community, or if that community just likes each other and then advertises for each other and like so it, it's built up that way. Like it's quite possible that I found out about Vast from a Kickstarter update from from Dragoon. I have I have no idea. But yeah, it was it was bananas because I don't like that many tabletop games. Like I'm not a I, I find that you're a much more tabletop connoisseur. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, like, uh, much more... Maybe a little. Yeah, I'm, like, much more specific, I think, and, like, narrow-minded about the types yeah. of tabletop games I'll play. Mm-hmm. So it was it was crazy. And Beasts of Balance is amazing. I'm so glad I got a chance to play it. I ordered it, and I ordered the playmat. And I'm excited because it's going to arrive on Thursday, and I'm going to play it, and then I'm babysitting for someone on Saturday, and I'm going to play it with those kids. And it's going to be fantastic. Nice. And you're going to lose all the pieces. I've Every single one. Most expensive one-time it's experience. It's going to be fun for a week. <laughs> ever happen. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so excited about the game. I'm, it's, we've talked about toy peripherals on this show before. And about how, like, Amiibos. Have we? We talked oh, about yes. Amiibos. Okay. Yeah. And I said, like, right, I didn't buy them. Because, like, you just buy them and put them on a shelf. And I already have enough crap. Yeah, but they could give you airdrops of food in Breath of the Wild. It's super weird. That doesn't make any sense. Okay. I, I can't even talk about that. Because it's very stressful to me. That does not make any sense. <laughs> it's very what? stressful to you? Yes. That's like a to game get airdrops? design. No, like to like swipe a thing in the outside world that's like a person and then it drops food in the game. Like how is that connected? Is it like a goddess that's dropping you food? Is it in any way connected to the gameplay or the story? I mean, I I suppose it's a it's a goddess if the toy is a goddess. But like can it be any amiibo? It might. Is does that's it only give you, you food drops it. one time? Can you like swipe the same amiibo over and over again, or is it like a one? You could. Thing? I, I, it probably has like a cooldown kind of a thing. But yeah, you could this keep swapping. So Every time you open the game, you could you could just get a new airdrop. I don't. I don't. Mario like this at all. just keeps sending you some cookies. This is dumb. I'm so upset. Nintendo, you're such you're such a beautiful company. Why would you do this? You can also you can level them up in uh, um, Smash Brothers. I don't like play that's that. its purpose. Is it? It it learns to play and it gets better. To it becomes a computer where it just you can't beat it because it's it's learned and it's become too powerful. Uh, see, okay, okay, Smash Brothers. It makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. I I find that it makes sense in Super Smash Brothers. Like you're adding people to your party. Um, and eventually, but... it becomes Skynet, and then we all die because <laughs> machines are taken over. It's it's. Horizon Dawn. Dawn Horizon. Horizon Zero. Why can't I remember yep. the name of that game? Horizon I don't Zero. Know. All those things I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going because I'm on <clears throat> I'm on a roll and now I'm pissed because Breath of the Wild did a stupid thing I don't like. But so all these these things that use amiibo, like amiibo's a pretty weak toy, like in real life. Like you mm-hmm. scan it and it has like it varies from like an amazing digital thing to like a weird one. But it it does something cool in the digital world, but the actual physical toy does nothing. Like you don't play with it; you just put it back on the shelf. Like it's definitely you a collector's. Could play with it. You could, but it, it's like on a stand. I don't know. It's yeah. like a it's like a collector's figurine, which is fine. Like collector's figurines are wonderful. I have many of them, mostly in the shape of ponies. Mm-hmm. But like it's a pretty weak so toy. So if it if it didn't stand, would it be more of a toy to you? No. Well. It's more that it has a stand, not that it stands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Like, yeah. if it only stands when it's on a stand, that's not very toy-like. Does that make sense? Okay. Like, the only things you put on stands are expensive dishes that you don't eat off of and toys that you're not supposed to play with. I suppose. I mean, it all depends on what you do with them. 
Yeah. I could I could probably play with an amiibo. Like, what would you do? I don't know. You could just uh, have a little imaginary adventure. But does any of it relate to, like, the digital game? Uh, No. It's not like <laughs> okay. they're not connected in that. Oh, way. okay. But, like, you, my, my thing was, like, you could still play with it as a toy, I guess. It's not so much that it's a statue. You could play with it as a toy, but That's we true. choose to view it as a statue. That's true. That's true. But I think it's also because it doesn't, the way that they're set up doesn't encourage you to play with them. Sure. Um, in terms of, like, the digital connection. And I think that's where, like, with Beast of Balance, I was, like, so excited because I, I do have this desire to, like, play with toys. But I also love, like, the digital component. And the fact that you literally are playing with the toys and it has some sort of connection to this digital world that you're expanding and growing through the playing of the toys um, was really fun for me. Like, I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Like, I think that was the highlight of the game expo was, like, playing beast of balance with you yeah also because we got instagrammed by beast of balance so if you check out we did because we're pretty good at stacking things uh i think he was taking a picture to show like how badly our stack was compared to like the clearly superior stack next to us (laughs) (laughs) yeah to the structural engineers that were building (laughs) next to us for sure but yeah i loved it i loved the really strong like, actual toy element of Beast of Balance. And I swear they're not paying me any money to say this, but you should all go buy it. Like, I would. I think it's going to be great. I'm super excited to have it in my house. It's too expensive for me. Well, but luckily I but, bought it. So you right. can just come to my house. And so I it. lucked out. <laughs> you did. Uh, but now you know what gifts to get me for Hanukkah because they have those extra toys. They have extra ones? Yeah, they don't come with the set. They've got the, like... So those three that we first touched, because someone's like, touch them, the pieces feel great. Uh-huh. Um, those three are extra. Other than that, we talked to the Vast guy. That was one of my favorites, and he's like, let me tell you about Vast. I'm like, I already own it. It's in my house. Let me tell you about Vast. And that's how that conversation went. He was great. Kyle, the illustrator. Yeah, that wasn't confusing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, them at the panel, they were good, too. I was really impressed, once again, with, like, the Beast of Balance um, guy who talked a lot about, like, the ethical sourcing of materials. And he really took, when the conversation was about the impact of materials, I think he took it to heart that it was about the impact of how materials are made, like, in the game. Yeah. You know, like, I love the fact that he called the factory that he worked with in China as, like, craftsmen. Like, I loved how odd and inspired he was by, like, their ingenuity and, like, talent at making these objects. Um, I really loved that. That was super great. A Dragoon guy, I really loved his uh, sheer, I'm going to use the word punk rockness again, of, like, that gaming company hand-packaging each of those things. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Also, the fact that they make the metal pieces for Dragoon, which also one of my favorite games that I purchased in 2016, but that they make the metal pieces in Rhode Island. Um, a little shout out to our Rhode Island home. Did you catch that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And then Vast, I, you know, to be honest with you, I love Vast. I think it's going to be a great game to play. I haven't played it yet. I guess I shouldn't say I love it. I love the idea of asymmetrical gameplay. But I guess he was up there because his materials were just wooden and he had, like, a super complex game with very simple pieces versus the other ones, which were, like, maybe more simple games with, like, really elaborate pieces. Uh, but I suppose um, between the three, it's it's about design direction and, like, what you choose to do with your game. Because mm-hmm. he also had, like, the, the thing where he um, or, like, the company has uh, – they released everything online – so that you you don't necessarily have to purchase the game to play it. Like you can just download it and print it out and play oh, it. Oh, really? Own. Uh yes. And so that's oh. where he was showing that somebody had taken the the art files um and made a a three D stand piece for it. Oh. Um, I had no idea. That's amazing. Sticker. Yeah. It was like an open source tabletop game. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. I missed that part. I must yeah. have been, I was probably writing down in my, my notebook. Well, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, because that's very, um, the impact of, I guess, everyday materials, now that I think about it, like making mm-hmm. a tabletop game that could be recreated from objects that you have at home. 
Right. Yeah. They also were wonderful to listen to. Um, I loved their presentation. That was the one where the questions were better, but I got super anxious about asking my question. <laughs> I'm still worried about it. Like five days later, I'm still it's like, not even a thing. I don't know why you're still worried about it. I, I know because I just I have social I, I have social problems. But yeah, so my question was: I was an early backer of Dragoon, and their earlier pieces were um, colored. Like, they were red and blue. I think there was, like, a yellow. Um, They're very pretty. They're very cute. But then in this, they've recently re-released their Kickstarter, which you should all go back. Um, But their new one, it's, like, very vibrant, just metallic colors for their metal pieces, which those metal pieces feel so nice. And I'm I'm struggling because I want to buy these new ones because these metallic gold, silver, whatever dragons are just... So pretty. They're also, like, selling an expansion pack, so I also want that in the pretty metal colors. But I was mm-hmm. curious why they why they changed the colors, and so I, I asked specifically that question. Um, and he, I mean, his answer was very simple. Like, basically, it was cheaper. It was more durable. Um, what was the third one? It took less time? Oh, that's yeah. right, yeah, because, like, the enamel coating took a while. Mm-hmm. And, like, all of that made sense. Yep. And then, for some reason, I think the thing that worries me is I was, like, he told me to, like, go buy Vast, their game, because I was like, ah, oh, now I want both. And he's like, well, I'll go buy Vast. And I'm like, I own Vast already. So I, like, have mm-hmm. this, like, absurd fear that they thought I was actually complaining. Uh, no. I don't think so at all. Okay, I know. And I'm... he was he was merely suggesting that to to be nice to his fellow people up there Game sitting maker? next to him, and <laughs> and it was like a it was a thing where it's like oh well I've already got that too, and so it it was a back and forth where uh, just a just a big old circle jerk going on between you guys. They did love you complimenting each other. Them, and complimenting them, complimenting each other. each other. You know what? Yeah. No one complimented me. Uh, they, people liked your shirt. But not, but not the people on the panel. I'm saying no, I- you were sitting down. I know. I was just saying I was not the recipient of any pleasure in that circle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you get nervous asking questions? I, I very rarely ask questions in situations like that. Yeah, I rarely ask questions too. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I think we talked about how, uh, our, our reasons were different, um, I think mine was just like I didn't want it to be like a dumb question. Where it seemed like yours you were you were afraid that you were afraid it was gonna be like a, a rude question. That that is accurate. I'm constantly worried of like accidentally being heartless and offending people when I actually mean to compliment them. I'm not afraid of being rude if like I'm intending to be rude. <laughs> oh but, like, okay. But there's wow. nothing worse than like you try to compliment someone and then like actually that's offensive and you're like, no, <laughs> Yeah, that's why I just don't talk to people. It's a bummer because I actually think that, I mean, not to toot our own horn, I was saying stuff to you that later got repeated in a panel by, like, panelists, right? And there's so many things that I'm like, man, I should really, like, speak up more in conversations because I'm obviously already a part of the conversations even if I'm not vocal about it. You're also, like, a very insightful, especially about art, you have, like, a lot of insight about visual design. And the fact that we don't say anything is a bummer because I think we're we're generally fairly kind I mean, we, we like jokes and making people feel welcome and, like, all that stuff. So, yeah. like, I, I feel like the world would probably benefit a little bit from us asking questions because we wouldn't go up there and pitch a game. Oh, no, I, I, I think we have to go up there and pitch a game. I think Is that's that... required to start uh, the question. Oh, oh I missed that. I missed yeah. that part. I was zoning out. The uh, obligatory rudeness. Uh-huh. What would your, your game pitch be? So I have this game where I think it would be fun to be it's like a space game and you have to explore like space mm-hmm. or whatever but the thing is like you have to hit like breathe buttons like in at like exhale inhale the entire time or like you suffocate <laughs> um and in different situations like you maybe have to move your character really fast but have to be careful about how quickly you're also like breathing because you like oh, so you're like out. you're like conserving oxygen. Oh, that's an added element. I hadn't even thought about it. But just like hyperventilating, right? Like you don't want to hyperventilate because then you pass out. But you also want to breathe because else you pass out because you're not breathing. Yeah. 
Um, and it's totally based on the fact that I scuba dive, and when they scuba dive, they, like, remind you to breathe. And so I imagine space would be similar, where yeah. it doesn't feel natural, so you'd have to be, like, conscious about remembering to breathe. And I liked the idea of, like, balancing, like, running away from danger with trying to maintain. It's basically, like, you know, you know, I do a lot of, like, mindfulness breathing stuff. Yeah. Sometimes. A lot is a relative term. But I do it because every time I go to a counselor... They're like, are you breathing? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I stopped years ago. I don't do that anymore. I've died. And so I just thought about how weird it is that we're always forgetting to like breathe normally. And so like how fun <laughs> it would be to like have a game where you have to like be conscious about your breathing. Anyway, yeah. that's the game I would pitch. Anyway, that's it. Now will you answer my question? Never sure what the question is when people pitch their games, other than like, do you like this game? I, I think it's like they they want like um they want a pat on the back or like they want to know that what, what they thought of is a good idea, kind of a thing. But yeah, was there anything else we did? We walked around with Morgan. We admired we the very elaborate switch setup going on. We didn't get to play the switch. I'm disappointed about that. We didn't, but there seemed like there was like a very excessive line. There was a very long line. Um, we also didn't do any VR stuff, but I guess like all the VR stuff that I saw didn't look like it would be a very fun game to play. There's something really creepy about the people that put on the VR stuff and then they're like lounging in beanbag chairs, just like staring up at the ceiling. Like they all look like they're on opium or some other. I've never done drugs, so I don't know what drugs do that to you, but the ones that make you lay down and stare at stuff, they make me uncomfortable. I don't think I'm going to like VR. I'm predicting that I'll get sim sickness. Uh huh. Do you like VR? You're just, you're just set on that once you heard that. 40%. I, well, I'd never wanted to like VR, and now I have yeah. an excuse. <laughs> uh huh. An excuse that you don't know is is true for yourself. I know. I should. I just. But you can me... you can be militant about it and be like, no, no VR. It's impossible Not to until be we militant. fix it for everybody. <laughs> I would say it's one of the 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 best things is that it's really hard to be militant about stuff you know. So the less I actually know about VR, the more opinionated I can be. <laughs> the more I actually like learn about it, the more I'll have a nuanced perspective that precludes me from, from speaking strongly. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was interesting uh, that we would walk up to booths and then people would start speaking to me. Oh yeah. And tell me funny. about their game. That was uh, an interesting experience. I spoke to people first, and they still didn't talk to me. Yeah. I, I get a lot of people um, making eye contact and like then ended up speaking to me, I guess. but mm. It's that um, those eyeballs will get you in trouble. Yeah. Every time. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's always something that I've, I've always wanted to chalk up to, like, on accident. But I know yeah. I'm a super social person. In terms of when I'm when I'm actually around people, it bothered me more. It didn't bother me as much. I know it bothered you a bunch. The coding school that like yeah. I walked by a bunch of times and then like brought you over, and then they started talking yeah. to you, and then I kept like trying to interject. Like you kept being like, "Well, you know, I'm an illustrator. I don't really. I'm not that interested." Yeah, not in really into coding. Like it's only part time. <laughs> I, like, tried to mention that, like, I'd looked into coding schools, but, you know, most of them are full-time, and, like, I can't quit my job. Yeah. And then, like, they asked you what game you wanted for the raffle. Yeah. And you're like, I don't have consoles. And I'm like, I have a console. Yeah, and they didn't... So then they took my... <laughs> they took my so they didn't, like, they didn't write anything down in, like, the what I could win section. They didn't really? even, like, ask me. Yeah, yeah. That's bananas. Uh, but they, the uh, I thought it was really funny because um, I was filling out this coding thing to be nice. Um, You're like very nice. Information. Did I you put your nice. name as Butts nice. McGee? Uh, I did. <laughs> um, but like yeah. as I'm as I'm filling out this thing, um, there's a section for like um, your um, marital status, kind of a thing. Oh <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and on that line. The the darkest option was single, and all mm -hmm. the rest of them were like a light gray. They were like faded was, out almost. It was very bizarre. Yeah, and then I mean, they're the girl making at the booth swore that it wasn't intentional, but it's like <laughs> this feels intentional. Yeah, that guy that like kept talking over her. Oh God, he was frustrating. 
Uh, it's so frustrating. The other, the only, anyway, so they didn't bother me as much because it's just like whatever. Um, I didn't yeah. want to f- fill out your crappy form anyway. Like that's a way mm-hmm. too long a form for. Yeah, I just wanted like an email. Yeah, yeah, they should just ask for your email. It's absurd. It had anyway. a, a thing that it, it wanted my social security number. Ugh, that's so weird. That's yeah. super weird. And then did she's you... like, oh, you forgot to fill out your social security number. And it's like, nope, I did not forget to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they were weird. And I should be like, my friend who actually teaches girls who code pulled me over to make fun of how sexist your poster was. Yeah. That's why I filled out your form. So they don't bother me as much as, like, when I would go up to game booths and, like, specifically say out loud, like, oh, this looks cool. And then they would, like, ignore me to talk to you. Like, that really... Wow, I would like to know more about this game. I wish someone would tell me about it. I know. I'm, like, asking you to sell me stuff. Like, I don't know. But that always made me really sad because I really like, like, interacting with the developers of these games. and Yeah. Like, for them to, like, overlook me. And I'm not, like, super obnoxious. I'm only, like, casually obnoxious. <laughs> the board game people talked to me, so. They did. Which leads me to believe that board game development is far more uh, exciting. <laughs> like, maybe I'll okay. have more friends if I make friends with people who make board games. All, like, 20 of them. Uh-huh. Yeah, anything? I'm trying to remember if there's any other games. That we played or, like, fiddled with. Oh, that rope game was cool. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like... There was a couple, but none of them, like, stuck out, I think. (laughs) Yeah, that rope game was funny. Uh, Because I asked the guy if it could could be, like, a single-player game. Oh, yeah, the rope one was one where, like, it's a multiplayer game, right? And there's a rope in between the two players, so you can't, like, get too far apart, but you can't also get too close together, and the goal is to, like, kind of kill people with the rope. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Um, yeah. But because uh, I asked him if it, if you needed a second person, like if it was meant to be like a multiplayer game. And he's like, well, you could do it uh, single player. You just have to figure out how to customize your controller to be both the first and the second player. <laughs> so it's like, okay. So the answer is no. It's It's a multiplayer game. <laughs> That's all you have to say. Yeah. You know, I mean, I like that answer, but this actually, this is, we've come full circle, because I think statements like that, uh, that first panel that talked about games being inaccessible to a lot of people, like, yeah. the amount of lingo you have to know and understand to play so many games is extravagant. Like, Eve made a good point that someone's like, oh yeah, you can, like, get it on Steam, and, like, you've already lost people when you say you can get it on Steam, because they don't know what the fuck Steam is. Like, what, mm-hmm. is it a platform? Is it a console? Like, is it an app? Like, what do you do with it? Even I'm not really sure what Steam is, and I've got, like, 300 unplayed games <laughs> that I need to get. Or, like, you have nice. to buy, like, a $500 console, and then you have to get, like, the extra stuff, like the controllers. And then some games, like with Nintendo, don't even use the regular controllers. You have to get the special controllers. Right. And, like, it just, like, goes... And Nintendo's one of the more accessible brands, but... Like, for someone to say, like, oh, yeah, all you have to do is, like, customize your control buttons. Like, I think people say that thinking it's, like, an easy thing. Because he definitely said it off the cuff, like anyone would know. Right. You know what I mean? He I mean, wasn't, like, I could figure it out to do it, but. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, of course you could. But even the fact that he said, like, customize your controller via Steam. Um, like, that's a high-level thing. And I don't think he did. Like, he seemed like a very wonderful person based on our five minute like he seemed very welcoming and warm and like excited about his game yeah but i think the assumptions that we make about the technological literacy of players is too high and Mm -hmm. i mean and then people make fun of mobile games because they're more accessible but there's something about like mobile games that i think is really it's good that people can just like download something and play it on a device that they're already familiar with and then like maybe like a gateway it's like a gateway drug. <laughs> Your mm-hmm. mobile phone. But yeah, I don't know. But now we're back to the beginning about how do we get more people to play games. Do you ever want more people to play games? Or are you like content with the people that play games currently? Um, I'm sure I could use more people to play games. Um, there's some, some of my social circles, they do not play games at all. Or they do not like to talk about playing games. 
So I'm definitely the dork that mm. uh, that plays games. <clears throat> um, so it would be nice if uh, they could be more accepting. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> really something with getting them to play games. It just involves like getting people to be not jerks. Yeah. Don't be mean to Kyle. Mm-hmm. That, that should be their takeaway. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening to our South by Southwest episode of Gaming Broadcast. If you enjoy our broadcast or our podcast, whatever we are, uh, uh-huh. consider uh, subscribing and rating us on iTunes. That would be great. We greatly appreciate that. Um, we're also on uh, Podbean and Stitcher. Uh, I think that's everything. We're probably some other places that I don't know about, but that's that's Jamie's department. Uh, I'm Kyle. Um, Jamie's microphone is slightly broken, so um, let me just... Um... And I'm Jamie Dale. That's pretty close. Um, thanks. We'll see you next time. We won't see you next time. You'll hear us next time? Yeah, that's the one. Anyways, later. <laughs>